On episode 12 of the Bet the Process podcast, we will be revisiting Rufus's predictions on what the committee was going to do. We will be looking at college futures, certainly with the shakeup last week in the Big Ten. There are some interesting things that uh, we will be looking at, Oklahoma and Washington for sure. A lot of the NFL futures value has been sucked out of it, but we'll still be talking about our normal super contest picks and survivor picks. And we'll be uh, revisiting sort of an interesting tout, um, a guy that is obviously um, a a really um, big name in the industry, um, unfortunately, I think for the industry itself, um, a controversial guy, um, and um, hopefully we will be shedding some light on some of the methods that he has that we will consider a little bit less than ethical. So with that, let's start the process. As always, the Bet the Process podcast is brought to you by the Sports Action app. It's the best way for sports bettors to track their bets, see live odds, and get great gambling analysis. As Barstool Big Cat says, Sports Action is the best app for the sports better, and it's not even close. And it's available for free on the App Store and Google Play. Welcome to episode 12 of the Bet the Process podcast. Uh, Rufus, are you, where are you, in Lisbon? Portugal? I'm in beautiful Lisbon. How is it? What's the highlight it's, of Portugal so far? It's gorgeous. Drinks on a rooftop, um, delicious meals, walking around uh, these beautiful little alleys and views of the water. I can see Rufus through Skype and he's got this like greedy little grin on his face. So I don't know if he's found romance or love in Portugal. Um, maybe that'll be something, a subject for another podcast. Uh, let's maybe jump that's a right topic in. For, uh, that's a topic for this weekend when I go to Porto. <laughs> uh, I'll add that to the list of things I don't care about. Anyway, so back uh-huh. to uh, this week in futures where we get started every week. And what's pretty interesting these days, obviously, is with the committee coming out. Some big shakeups last week. Um how did you guys do in modeling the process of or modeling what the committee was going to do this week? I thought we actually did pretty well. We, uh, we didn't actually use what the committee did the week before in our um, in our determination of the rankings this week. We, we used, I guess, the committee's preferences that we could deduce from that week's of ratings. But we didn't say, OK, the committee had, you know, Alabama at number two. So we think we're going to sort of anchor to that and then change based on what happened this week. We basically did the same exact thing, but we had a little bit more data. Um, but the absolute error for our top 10 um, fell from 1.56 the first week to 0.8. And we were within two slots on every single top 10 team and within one on eight of 10, meaning that the the I think like Wisconsin maybe was the team that we were the, the furthest off on in the top 10. We had them at. Um, we 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 thought that they would be the number seven team. Actually, they're number eight. So no, it was actually Miami. We had them at number five. They got put in number seven. So do you think if Wisconsin wins out that they're definitely in? Um, not one hundred percent, but we have them around ninety percent. So pretty, pretty, a, pretty certain. Cade tweeted out a, a really cool graph he made, which basically says the probability of uh, teams winning out 
and then can, getting into the playoff conditional and winning out for sort of all the teams that are in the relevant conversation. And Wisconsin's a team that we have not a particularly high chance of winning out, but if they do win out, they have a pretty high chance of, of actually getting in. So so from this chart, I'm assuming, and, and obviously really great podcast when you're talking about a chart that nobody can see, but I, I hey, it's encourage on Twitter. you to... I encourage you to go to Twitter and look at Massey Peabody's handle, and there is um, a pretty good visualization of this. But the top, the four that I would say like are the furthest up into the right, is that basically saying that these are the four most likely, if you were going to say going forward, given schedule and everything, are likely to be, and that would be Oklahoma, Wisconsin, Clemson, and Alabama. Oklahoma, Wisconsin, Clemson, and Alabama. I mean, I would say the teams top right are going to be the most likely. Yes. Um, but I, I do think that no, I'm, just, example, Georgia, I'm just eyeballing it, right? Right. Those, those aren't it, those. Like, is that right? Uh, I don't believe that is right, actually. I think we have Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, and Oklahoma is the most likely. Yeah, well, Alabama, the reason that I didn't have Georgia in there is they're relatively low. They're lower than Wisconsin in the probability of winning out. Um, right, but but they can get in with one loss. That's that's right. a difference there, I think. Yeah, maybe I don't understand this visualization as well as I thought I did. The problem, I mean, it's saying that they have a 100% chance of getting into the playoff if they win out. I think we all agree with that. All right, um, we, we stop and they have a low chance of winning out. The bad, on the bad imagery. That yeah, that, that, you make a good point. Let's, let's move along, I guess. Okay, so um, any other things that sort of stuck out with you, surprises from this, um, where the committee differed from you? Not really. I mean, I think that we, you know, Miami moved up after a really quality win against Virginia Tech, but, and obviously Ohio State and Penn State sort of fell pretty far, but the rest of it kind of played as you would expect. How about where the power rank in our Fred Ed, Ed Fang um, differed from you? Ew, I don't actually have that graphic pulled up, but I, I was not, you know, I, I don't think that really passed the eyeball test, as you said. Um, it's, I, I read a, I actually, you know, sent Ed a message about it, and he sent me a link to the process he uses, which is looking at a team's basically AP ranking and I guess now college football playoff ranking, and then sort of simulating how it would move based on if they win or they lose. But I think that's there's some stuff that's very important and predictive, and you know, like how many losses a team has uh, that isn't being accounted for there, uh, as well as like conference championship stuff, right? I mean, so you could have a team that's ranked number six and has one loss versus a team that's ranked number uh, six and has no losses and how they're going to fall if they lose is going to be completely different, right? Like I think a two loss team is most likely going to be not in the conversation unless there's chaos. But if you're just modeling it based on where they're rated, um, you know, maybe I'm not understanding his, uh, his model well enough, but I mean, what did you think of it, Jeff? Well, it didn't make a lot of sense to me because, you know, obviously, just like you said, he, he had Georgia pretty low. Um, he had Oklahoma as the number one team most likely to make it. Um, it just doesn't seem, you know, given the fact that um, Oklahoma is now on the outside looking in. Right. I mean, how are, how could they be the most likely to make the playoffs? Um, so, it, it, I, I, again, like I pass it to you because I want to say, hey, does this pass? The laugh test. And, and, you know, like, again, we we believe that Ed is very, very smart. We believe he knows a lot more statistic about statistics. I mean, he has a Ph.D. in statistics um, than either of us do. Uh, but, you know, there is this, this is the difference right between um, 
pure statistics and then modeling this stuff for gambling because you know one of the other things that ed kind of got a lot of crap about was that he had the astros 55 percent likely to beat the dodgers in game seven when the market was more like 60 percent on the dodgers that type of 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 difference um you know like you would say oh bet everything on the astros now that would have worked out and, and maybe he's saying bet everything on the astros but the notion of this this sort of like how do you rectify when a model is so different than the market? Um, I mean, I'm sure that those things come up for you. What, how do you how do you look at that? Oh, for sure. And I think last year I remember you tweeting ESPN um, or tweeting about ESPN's FPI ratings and where they had the Cavaliers last spring. Am right. I correct. Yeah. Right. yeah and so and how far off they were from the market. And I think that models do. I don't want to say models are broken sometimes, but models can be way off. I mean, you have to understand what the model is doing, what the inputs are to be able to sort of understand the outputs. But just because it's, quote, wrong um, and way far off the market doesn't, and it isn't actually the best prediction, doesn't mean it doesn't have value relative to a market. So well, for example, and I guess like my, the, my Massey Peabody numbers, I don't, I don't think that they're like gospel. If, if I think a team has a 55% chance to win and the market thinks they have a 50% chance to win, um, that number is probably about 52.5%, at least using, um, that's using regressions from uh, the past. That's what I've sort of determined. It's about half and half, I guess. But I wouldn't like, when someone sort of criticizes me about a number being off or criticizes someone and they say, hey, would you book, would you book a bet at that price? I think that's kind of missing the point a little bit. Yeah, I mean, for me, this is why we do this podcast and why we called it Bet the Process, because like I'm less when I see something like this, I'm less inclined to sort of argue about what the model is saying and more what I'd like to do is dive into how the model was created. And in the case of the, the FPI and ESPN and the Cavaliers, I think what what. One, that is not a bottoms up model. Right. So meaning like they are not looking at individual players they're looking at a team's performance. And so they're using a team's performance during the regular season as a proxy for what they're going to do in the, or as a predictor of what they're going to do in the playoffs. And clearly we know that the Cavs do very different things in the playoffs. Let, let's just take a, take away this idea of like LeBron James effort or anything like that. Their rotations are fundamentally different, right? And if that's true, how can you use regular season to be the thing um, that you use as a predictor for, for, the playoffs and just that process itself is flawed to me. So like when we go back to this whole Ed situation, you know, I I don't know. um, I've asked Ed before about sort of like how he does baseball and things. And I know that like, you know, the, the concept of um, XFIP and and FIP, IE like fielding independent um, pitching statistics are really what he uses to drive a lot of his model. Um, And that's like the biggest factor. So, you know, when he has two pitchers that are going in, if one of them is like that much stronger, and XFIP, um, that's kind of what he uses, I, I believe. So, um, again, like, is that the right process? It, it might be missing some things, and maybe that's what we're saying about his um, the numbers that he came out with and why they're so different than why they, they don't really pass the laugh test to us. It's, it's the process itself that maybe doesn't pass the laugh test. Right. I, I think the statistics he's doing are probably great. Like he's pro- like, But it's based on the AP ratings or the college football playoff ratings and they're moving and it's not taking into account a bunch of things that I think would make it a much better, um, more accurate prediction. 
Yeah, the thing I didn't particularly like is that when you challenged him and you said, "Does this pass the laugh test?" He said, "I wouldn't post it if it did if it didn't." And so, you know, like I, I think being critical of your just like you were saying, like someone's been trolling you about that you've been wrong about the Rams. Like last week mm-hmm. was a perfect example. We had man versus machine. I like the Rams. Um, our model actually liked the Rams. You didn't, and consistently you've been against the Rams. Um, you were against them in that London game with the, you know, so, so there's times where we are just wrong about certain teams, you know, like that just happens. And and you're going to be that the point of a model is it's not perfect. You're going to be wrong and right. Hopefully you're right more often than you're wrong, but you are going to be wrong. That's very true. So I just like to say and point out how many times that you were wrong. So you're wrong. I'm wrong all the time, you know, according the to most now, women in my life. The machine is now beating the man, and we'll get to that later. Damn machine. Do we have that lawnmower sound effect yet? Uh, I don't know. We'll have to ask Michael. Michael never actually talks on the podcast. I love for him to talk every once in a while so people know that he's actually a person. I love it when like the producers chime in from time to time on podcasts. I didn't know you guys wanted me to. There you go. See, it's a voice from above. Yeah. It's amazing. There we go. We're amateurs I like here, it. Though. You're a professional, Mike. Yeah, you're the professional. Um, okay, let's move on. Do you see any value then in futures? What's interesting, I think, about this future segment that we've done is I think we've done a really good job, you know, to pat ourselves on the back, pointing out when there is value. And a lot of times that value has come in, meaning like if you could have bet the other side, you would have been able to get out for a profit. The problem is that you can't really bet the other side in these. So even though we pointed out how much value there was in Ohio State, and I think we were right, it, it came in. Now, all of a sudden, with them losing, there's like zero value in Ohio State. And all of a sudden, or you're saying there is value now because they're right. 65 to 1. But certainly when we talked about them early in the season at what, 10 to 1 and things like that, um, with their losses now, there isn't value. And, and you, it seems like you still have Ohio State ranked really high, I would assume. Yeah, I still see value on Ohio State at 65 to 1, though it really is hard to believe the committee would take them given that they lost by 31 to Iowa. So, you know, the model, this is a model, and maybe that's the breakdown point there. But well, you, I make them you have, you have outliers, right? Outliers often can break models, unfortunately. And when you have oh, like sure. that smallest sample size, something like this could have a, you know, like you said, it's just not something the model's necessarily seen before, right? Right. And, and the model's looking at how good Ohio State is in our predictive metrics and everything and how well they played this season in those metrics, as well as, you know, their win-loss stuff and, and, which, and strength of schedule. But it doesn't know specifically that the committee might say, oh, you lost by 31 to Iowa, like, you know, that's kind of, a di- we'll just discount you there. Two losses, lost by 31 to Iowa. But I do think if, if they are the Big Ten champion with two losses, you know, they'll be in the conversation if there's a lot of carnage. And we won't talk about carnage because you didn't want us to talk about the potential carnage this weekend. But obviously Auburn beating Georgia would be carnage, um, would be the beginning of carnage. Do you see eh, value eh. on what's that? I think the carnage is more going to be possibly in the ACC, Big 12, and Pac-12. Okay, well, I think I think, do you I think see value carnage in Washington for the then? SEC. Do I see value? Yeah, in futures, I do in Washington. Um, I make them only plus fourteen thirty-five. I think twenty-five to one is out there right now, and they're a team that benefited carnage in the Big Ten last week. They have just over a forty percent chance to win out, and if they do win out, um, the Massey Peabody model gives them a seventy-two percent chance of getting in. And so, I guess they are in in the sort of hypothetical pecking order. They're behind a one-loss Alabama that doesn't win the SEC championship and ahead of a two-loss SEC champ Auburn. Um, though there's lots of uncertainty in that. But they sit below every other one-loss Power 5 champ and Notre Dame, except except a one-loss Wisconsin-Miami that win their conference. But Yeah. 
so where do you see value in college this week? You went four and two again, which arbitrary endpoints makes you eight and four over the last two weeks. Ooh, do we even know what I was before that? Not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I can go back and look, but it wasn't good. It wasn't. We, we, I mean, we, I we probably get that. Be, I'm guessing to be you're fair, probably we should do close that. to 500 for the year, maybe a little under 500, probably. Okay, well, this week I like, I'll just go rapid fire. We can move on to other things. Plus, I don't know any of the players on the teams. But Oregon State plus 22 at Arizona. Ohio State minus 15 against Michigan State. Penn State minus 30 and a half against Rutgers. And Louisiana Tech plus five against Florida Atlantic. Did you see that Florida Atlantic safety and uh, Lane Kiffin basically saying that he didn't want to cover? I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, I didn't get the rat. Did you get the rat poison line? I didn't get the rat poison. It's line. it's a reference to what Saban called media attention. Nick Saban. Yeah. You know, he, so yes, I'm, assistant. Familiar, yeah. I'm familiar with his work. Uh, do I? You yeah. asked me if I want to give any college football picks. Yeah, I I'm going to give Auburn. Auburn plus the two and a half over Georgia. Damn you! I just before the segment, Jeff asked me if I wanted. Auburn, uh, if I liked Auburn, and I said, yeah, but I don't want to give that out. Yeah, well, we can't, we can't, we can't be touty McTouts a lot. I mean, we got to, you know, tell people what we think, and irregardless of, you know, our ability to like profit from this. This is, this is about the listeners, Rufus. This isn't about you. You need to be a little bit less selfish. All right, let's move on to the. uh, What's going on with KC? What's going on with KC? Are they, are they done? I mean, like this, this fall from grace is pretty incredible it's 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 you know sort of the ultimate in kind of we are what we thought they were versus like overreacting to short sample size what are they are they a 500 team are they an elite team or are they you know another andy reed uh special they're the 10th best team they started out hot they their game grades the first five weeks were first sixth fifth 15th and sixth since then, they've been 27th, 7th, 20th, and 15th. So that's their, how they rate every week um, relative to other teams just in those one games. Yeah, I mean, I think there was an overreaction at the beginning of the year. But, I mean, they, they did peak at number two in the Massey Peabody power ratings, but they fell pretty quickly after that, and they've sort of to number five and have slowly continued their drop. They've been outplayed by their opponents in you know, play success and yards per play the last, you know, since week six after outplaying their opponents the first five weeks. So, you know, they're a good team. Um, which team they, that, which team they are the rest of the season. We don't know, but, but right now I'd say, you know, they're number 10. Where do you have them? Uh, I, I think that's fair. Uh, probably have them a little higher than 10. Obviously, um, turnover margin has been big for them in their success and less, you know, um, and you know, and that doesn't persist, obviously they're not going to be quite as good. Um, but you know, it's, um, the NFL's weird, man. I mean, and like, it's funny because like every year we say the NFL's weird, but, um, it, it might just be that the NFL's weird period. And that, um, with this small sample size and sort of every game being so, so reactive, like, the nature of it is that we have like a week to basically overreact to everything. We got to sit around and, and create narratives in our own mind. Um, so, you know, I, I, again, like if you think about those top, even, even like look at Seattle, right? Seattle, we've saying we're one of the top four teams in the NFL. They, they looked horrid against the Washington 
Redskins. Um, and you know now, hey, give, give my Redskins some credit, man. Uh, yeah. I yeah. mean, Seattle looked looked bad. I mean, Wait, they, Seattle didn't look that bad. I mean, their their defense completely stopped the Redskins' offense. Fine. <laughs> the, I mean, this, yeah, no, you're right. They didn't Red, look good. I'll give you the that. Redskins were not considered to be very healthy. I mean, I think they were they were much healthier on defense than they had been. Obviously, getting um, a bunch of the D backs back, uh, but offensively, they were still missing a bunch of their offensive linemen. They were still missing some skill position players. And so you have a situation like that, and and you're not necessarily thinking like that. That's a tough assignment for Seattle's defense. Um, but anyway, Seattle's defense did play very well. It was their offense that struggled, according yeah. to my metrics. They were 90th percentile in yard and um, yards per play on defense, and 87th in play success. And that's relative to um, adjusting for opponent quality. Well, the, the narrative right before that was that their offense was playing pretty well, obviously putting up, you know, 40 or whatever they did on the Texans. That was like a, this sort of idea that like, you know, they had figured out their offense. Um, so I think it was even more glaring for them to be at home and, and be so challenged offensively. Well, uh, you fail to, you fail to account for the D'Angelo Hall factor. <laughs> I will fail to, <laughs> I will continue to fail to account for that. Um, can we move on to any value in, in, in NFL futures? I would assume not really. Not really. If you can get the Ravens as an extreme long shot, 165 to one in the in the odds you sent me, um, they should be what 98 to one. That's a good bet, but that's you know most of the time just throwing away your money. Which actually, somebody asked me about on Twitter. They said like, are there any bets that you don't make because even if you have value, they're just too big of a long shot? And I would say no. I would still make the bet. You just have to m- manage your money well and and bet based on um, you know bet the appropriate percentage of your bankroll. Yeah. And that's, that's like really a time horizon question because like, obviously you're not going to be able to make that bet, you know, a hundred times this season. But theoretically, if you're sports betting your entire life, you'll be able to make those types of plus EV bets hundreds of times, if not more, um, as long as you live a long life, I suppose. I don't care though. Even if you're making the bet once, that's like saying, if you don't, I'm not going to bet on the election because it's only a one-off event and I'm not going to have all these other opportunities. Well, I think we're saying the same thing. You're basically saying money management. You're saying like how much of your portfolio are you able to allocate to that? Um, and it's it's a positive EV bet, so you should do it. So yes, we're we're sort of saying the same thing. I'm saying yeah. like it's easier to make that kind of decision knowing, you know, it's just like flipping a coin, right? If I flip a coin and I say to you, if it's heads, I'll pay you a dollar. If it's tails, you pay me 90 cents. Well, yes, you'd want to do that forever. But if I said to you, okay, let's do it, and um, we're only going to do it. If, you, if I said to you, okay, you have the choice, you can do it 100 times um, at that, those stakes, or let's do it once, and if it's if it's heads, I pay you 100, and if it's tails, you pay me $90, but you only get to do it once, you're going to choose the former, not the latter. Right, but if I only have an opportunity to do it once, I still will do it once. Again, I think we're saying the same yeah, thing. Yeah, I think so. But you're still arguing with me about it. Yeah. Even though I'm trying to explain and close this. Well, I was just trying to make you feel better. <laughs> All right, let's move I on. So actually, I would like this. This is a gun to the head kind of thing. I think it would be interesting. Gun to your head. Who would you play right now in futures, given those futures odds that I sent you? Well, I said the Ravens are the best value. I mean, they're they're not the most likely to make me look smart because they're only going to win 1% of the time. Right. 
Um, I would, you know, if you want, I think the most likely to make me look smart might be the Jaguars at 25.5 to 1. They well, I think you're not optimizing on profit. You're optimizing on make you look smart. So that's... Well, I already gave you my extreme. I already gave you the one with the most value. And, you, and you're coming back asking for more. No, I'm just saying, like, if if you the funny thing about what people listening should understand is that Rufus is not really a gambler. Like, he does not have the gambling gene inside of him where he just wants to blow oh, the come on. something. This is all... No, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. That's a very positive thing. That's why sometimes you don't understand, like, the notions that I'm talking about with gambling. Because, obviously, I've gambled, you know, blackjack, all that kind of stuff. But I, I think I understand the gambling notions better than you from a psyche standpoint. And I'm not saying that in a positive way. I'm saying that in a negative way for me and a positive way for you. You can be look very dispassionately at every decision and always want to have edge. Like if I said to you, let's just go gamble at something, you wouldn't want to put very much money on it. You might go do it for fun, but you are not going to be excited about it. Whereas it's like playing crafts with you, right? Exactly. Like when we played crafts together in Vegas, you were just bored, right? And you were like probably thinking about how negative EV every, you know, $100 chip you're putting down on the table was. And you probably just wanted to go get cocktails, which we probably ended up doing. But what I'm saying is I still have the part of me that enjoys playing craps um, for a certain extent. Obviously, at some point I start to go, this is like a negative EV game and it's bothering me and it drives me crazy. But that's the difference between you and I. And I think a nuance of why sometimes you can't understand what I'm talking about when I say things. Well, okay. I mean, I, I, do think I, like, I do think I have some gambling gene in me, of course, given that's what I do for a living. But uh, I, and I do like I do like things, but I want it to be I want it to be positive EV. So I'll, I'll, I'll you know, I have the Broncos at, you know, 224 to one. I think you can get 230 to one like that would be something, you know, that would be something fun, I guess. Right. But although I'm not actually betting it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to Faderade. There's a lot to cover in Faderade this week. Um, obviously, we got a lot of great questions from you guys on Twitter, and, and hopefully that kind of stuff will continue. And probably towards the off season when we start doing you know podcasts where we have a little bit less to talk about from a from a current event standpoint, we can dive into a lot of those questions. So we'll we'll keep a running total of them and try to like organize them and so keep them coming. Um, you got some crap on Twitter this week. Um, you tweeted out about some useless facts that Antarctica is the only continent without reptiles and David Guetta's birthday is today um, in response to Don Best uh, tweeting out about the uh, Buffalo, you know, Buffalo University Buffalo being six and two against the spread in their last eight games as a favorite of three and a half to 10. Um, and that Bowling Green was a four and one against the spread in their last five meetings in Buffalo. You know, these are, these are kind of silly trends. I mean, we've talked about trends um, but then people gave you crap because you tweeted out about your massive Peabody NFL uh, record as being three and one last week, kind of saying that that was just as arbitrary. So, well, I also said eighteen and twelve on the year, but the but they also said, well, that's only thirty games. Right. And I was like, dude, do you want me to just say that I was fifty five point forty nine percent over the li- lifetime with seven hundred and thirty picks? They're like, yes. And this is where I'll defend touts in some ways, and I'll defend you because I don't think you had any malicious intentions in this case. I think you were just trying to create um, a little bit of uh, color around sending out a link to your picks um, and sending out a link to Massey Peabody. Um, You know, you're obviously not. But again, like you can understand that this does seem like, oh, you're marketing and putting your best foot forward. 
um, which is what marketing is, right? Which is why like you can't be a tout, i.e. sell picks without actually marketing, right? And this is like, again, the argument that we got into with Dr. Bob, which is that you're not going to, if you're going to do anything to represent your picks, you are going to try to put them in the best light you can. I think what is difference here with what you sent out about Don Best is like, these are just like ridiculous arbitrary endpoints that mean nothing. And, and you know, again, like, um, you know, Gil Alexander on his Monday show, they were, he was with Chris Andrews, the, you know, the bookmaker from Mm -hmm. um, the South point. And they were talking about people that are like too cool to kind of believe in trends. Um, And I, you know, I don't know if they're referring to us because we're too cool to believe in trends, but the idea of of um, not like I don't think we I don't think either of us believes that things like you know um, traveling what to the West Coast that that I think we believe that matters and I think we believe that like a team that covers four games in a row may have some sort of overconfidence or the market may overadjust to something like that those kind of trends absolutely they're, they they mean something right. But I think that the minute you package them up into trends and you don't actually quantify it, and like you've always said, like just if there is something like that, you can build it into a model. Exactly. That's really what we're talking about. Exactly. So you said it well. And, and the Don Best thing, I mean, literally, those are how a team did against the spread in the past is pretty meaningless. Yeah. And obviously, yeah. Like even the, yes, there there was so much wrong with that tweet. The multiple endpoints, three and a half to ten points. Yeah, that's cut off just because they wanted to be able to have a stat that sounds meaningful. Now they're not. I, I don't think. I mean, Don Best isn't like selling a pick or anything like that. But they're just trying. At the same time, they're trying to market themselves and be like, "Hey, click me." But yeah, clickbait. I mean, that's another thing that the ant that the, the Twitter gambling sphere does not like is people putting out things that are essentially just clickbait. Um, they will always give you crap for that. Uh, one of the right. themes. By the way, like, though. By the way, wait. I just want to say I did. I did tweet the the week before, uh, because I'd been attacked for like tweeting that when when the picks did well. I actually tweeted when we went one and four. I think it was against the spread. The yeah, and I don't. Week, so. And I don't. I mean, I think if there's one thing that's clear from this podcast, we don't shy away from when we do poorly. I mean, I think we kind of own it and make fun of each other about it. Um, and you know, that's the nature of, of giving picks. It's hard to give winning picks over time. Like you're going to, you know, I've been going on the Tony Kornheiser show three weeks now. The first week I was three and one and they made a huge deal out of it. The next week I was one and three and they made a huge deal out of it. And last week, guess what I was two and two. So I'm basically like 500 giving picks. And you know, what's funny is he said, I'm the best of these pickers. There's like two or three other people that have pickers. One's like a monkey. So I'm better than the monkey, which is good. Um, I hope. Um, but anyways, the, the idea of giving picks is tough. And that's why we, we try not to focus this podcast on giving picks. We try to focus it on the process of, of, you know, like understanding sports betting and even just what some of the sort of arguments or discussions that we can come out from the analytics side of things. So one other theme that I wanted to talk about is the concept of closing line value or CLV. Um, it, it basically is the difference between um, what bet you put down and what line you got or what odds you got versus where the line closed. And the theory is that if you are consistently beating the closing line, i.e. getting a better price than the closing line, you are one, a quote unquote sharp better, and two, you will be a successful better over time. Um, One of the things that people often say is that's the best way in a short term or a short way to measure better than results to measure if your process is working. 
Is that something you agree with? And like for you, I mean, you literally are moving lines, so you're almost always going to have closing line value. Is that as, is that as valuable for you as it would be for some random schmo? Well, what you said about it being the best way to evaluate someone in a short sample is true. I, I do think that is true. And I do think it it does matter. Um, and when you say I'm moving lines, like I'm not moving lines in the NFL, I don't think. Or, you know, it's in big, you know, in big markets, I think that's a little bit. You definitely move lines in college. Like, and I, I like, I will hear other podcasts like, you know, RJ Bell's pregame podcast, and I'll hear his quote unquote experts talking and they'll literally be talking about games that I know that you guys have bet and you guys are the ones that have moved the lines. And like, even like, so on the, on RJ's podcast, they have this whole, like, he does this whole thing with like hip to be square where he talks about square plays and last week, one of his square plays was USC. He said the squares were on USC. I would not consider you to be a square, but I know that you thought saw a lot of value on USC. Right. Um, and so, but he also said like the square play was Oklahoma State last week, and the sharps were on Oklahoma. So, I mean, I, I don't. I, I think this is where people need to be really careful about this whole concept of sharps and squares because unless you're like sitting at a sports book and you see who's making these bets you don't know what sharper square is. And even the definition of sharper square is is pretty dangerous. Right. I mean, the line moves could be like a setup. And and it's but in general, what he's doing, what RJ's doing, and what I guess the whole sports betting media in general does is create this sort of narrative. Um, but obviously there's going to be sharps that are on what these quote unquote experts deem to be square sides like all the time. Yeah, someone else asked about this concept of pub- public money per- percentage and total handle percentage on sides and totals, and that's something that you know obviously that the company Sports Insights, which is now affiliated and and part of Sports Action or the the sorry the uh, Action Network, I think what is what they're called. Right, um, I get Chad I, Millman's emails every day now. Yeah, I mean, I'm, we're going to talk about this at some point on a later date, and may, we'll maybe even feature these guys in Tower Sharp. Um, but again, this is that concept that there's just you're you're trying to create this narrative. And and for me, like I've never been able to see like a process with this stuff that I really think works. It's all just narrative and it's all just fodder for, you know, good conversation on a podcast, which um, hopefully we can we can get away from. Right. And I, but I, I do think the concept of it makes sense. But a lot of times it's hard to to really know beforehand. Um I mean, I guess they're taking data. They're saying, okay, you know, this per, this percentage of the money but there's is like, on there's one like team, looking, and but this number of tickets. But they're they're taking what? Okay, this is like a classic sort of like, you know, data narrative incorrect kind of way. They 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 have a bunch of data, and they're trying to create a narrative out of it versus like actually like having a situation where they believe the data or, you know, they've already been able to like look at data, back test it, understand how valuable it is going forward. They're just creating a narrative around this data. And and then, you know, sometimes it fits the narrative. So it looks great. And sometimes it doesn't. Um, and that brings us pretty well um, to our uh, Touter Sharp segment. And obviously this is getting, you know, one of the people that is part of that sort of contrarian um, Twitter world sort of said to me like, hey, you guys can't do this anymore. Like you guys are smart, but you know, don't do this. And I'm curious to know why he said that. My guess is that he's going to say that we don't know enough about this world to discuss it. And that that may be a little bit true because neither of us are really like we don't sell picks ourselves. We don't really buy picks ourselves. So we don't 
dive into this, but I, I do think it's important for us to really objectively discuss these people um, and hopefully people trust what we're saying because we, we have no we have no horse in this race. We're just trying to point out, you know, what, objectively what people are doing um, right and wrong in this industry and hopefully raising the conversation around that. So I, I'm, you know, I reached out to him, DM'd him to try to get his feedback and I'm eager to hear what he says because hopefully that can shape what we talk about or how we talk about this. But Vegas Dave, um, he's someone near and dear to your heart that you've wanted us to feature on this segment for a yeah. while. So I'll let you kind of take it away, um, you know, from the top. Well, first off, I think people have said to me on Twitter, some of these sort of contrarian, um, the Seville, I guess, Twitter crowd, uh, that guys like Aaron Schatz and Dr. Bob are worse than Vegas Dave because Vegas Dave is an obvious scammer. And he's, and, but I think the fact that Vegas Dave does get as many people um, to fall for his scam means he's way more dangerous. And um, Vegas Dave, first off, is a complete fraud, I think. He's, uh, he has a system for baseball that's a martingale that's been around for quite a while. You're basically betting that a team won't get swept in a series at home when they're big favorites. And so he, you know, he claims, oh, my system plays are 123 and four, but, you know, those four losses are, I mean, maybe they are, but the four losses are going to be like 40 unit losses because you're basically chasing losses. Um, yeah, Martin Gale, just so you guys understand, it's, it's something that's near and dear to me, obviously, having played blackjack because I can't even count the amount of times people have come up to me and been like, hey, I have a system for blackjack. And I'm oh like, God. well, what is it? I said, well, we bet. $10 on the first hand. If I lose, I go to 20. If I lose, I go to 40. If I lose, I go to 80. And they're like, explain to me why that won't work. And I'm like, well, it's going to work until it doesn't, i.e. the one time that you lose like you know, 10 hands in a row, you run out of money, and you're basically mortgaging your house to try to win back that original $10. So it's it's you know well, well documented that Martingale um, isn't a winning system over time. And yes, he does that in baseball. Um, there's a, there's a lot of talk about what he does in football, constantly buying half points, um, which seems like a bad idea, <laughs> especially right. on, on key numbers. Right. Um, there, there's, there's someone who has an Instagram that's sort of trying to expose him and they, uh, sort of send out pictures of emails he sent. And so I went through those and saw, you know, he's parlaying huge money line favorites. He teased across and onto the zero. Um, but Aside from that, the guys, um, oh, if you want to buy his picks, you have to send him cash and you have to. That, seems, sent, legit. that seems legit. Oh, very. Well, yeah. he also got arrested or I should say indicted, charged for using 19 different fake social security numbers at the win. So, um, but yeah, I'd like to just I mean, say there, there's no, yeah, no, no, he's, he's, I don't know how that, that played out. I, I, I know he was something happened, right. Something happened to that, but yeah. Um, he's, uh, known for these sort of big futures bets. Um, the Royals one was big. I've had a variety of people that are in the industry reach out to me because I think that when I tweeted this out this morning, people thought we were going to have him on the show and they were like, you realize this guy's a fraud, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. People are saying this all to me. You realize he's a loser. You realize he bets a bunch of futures at the beginning of the season and then right. touts ones that he wins that looks good, you know, all this kind of stuff. I mean, the reality is, the fact of the matter is, this guy is very, he's he has created this marketing persona. He's all about marketing. He, you know, like, we can dive into the specifics of his bets and his methods. They don't make any sense to me. They don't seem like a long-term strategy to me. 
Um, and then um, and then you look at just sort of like his overall persona that he's created. Um, it's about marketing, right? And, and and that's like at the core, you know, when when these guys have, have given you crap about the the Aaron Schatzes and the, those things of the world, like, I don't know if I totally disagree with them because the reality is that these guys, like an, an Aaron, who, you know, obviously does know a ton about football and that kind of thing, but doesn't, he doesn't, I wonder if he understands how much money he has probably lost people over time. You know, like the idea that like he is a really, really smart, you know, good football analyst, but yet is diving into a subject that he knows nothing about gambling and giving people and selling people and creating this aura that using his picks, you will win. And and like, what are you, if you're a smart person, you're like, oh, I'm going to follow this guy that's like pioneered football analytics. And oh, I'm not going to follow this guy that's clearly like a marketing goof that's showing his pictures of his, you know, villa in Cabo. Um, I'd rather follow this other guy. And and the reality is that, like, you know, if you go to Seth Burns uh, WordPress, he's tracks he tracks football outsiders picks and they've done poorly over time. I mean, they've done well this year. They've done much better lately. But generally, like, I think what they're trying to tell you, Rufus, is like you have to understand that there's a lot of danger in both of these people selling picks. No, I understand what you're saying. But I think that to to write off the whole Vegas Dave thing and, and say that and that nobody in the right mind would ever buy picks from him sort of says that, you know, we shouldn't care about these people that are being scammed by him because there are a lot of people being scammed by him. Yeah. It's, it sucks. Like it you know, sucks I mean, to think that likes that, like I was uh, talking to someone today who, um, you know, doesn't sell picks, but has a blog and is a pretty successful better. And, and he was asking me, like, I, I don't think he knew much about me, but he was like, would you ever sell picks? And I don't even like to give out picks because I feel like a lot of anxiety if I give out a if I say a pick and it loses. Like when I was on ESPN and I had to give a pick for the Super Bowl when the um, when the Panthers were playing the um, Broncos. Like there was a teeny bit of value on the Panthers. I really, I really, I mean, I didn't. I thought maybe money line Panthers, but like I didn't like it. It wasn't something I was going to play. But you, they make you give a pick on ESPN. And then I had like a couple of people come up to me and they were like, man, I was, I was really like Denver. And then I, you know, heard you on ESPN and I was like, man, that like made me feel like crap. So I can't even imagine how much like crap I feel if I actually made people pay for picks and made them lose. So I don't know. Do you deal with that kind of anxiety giving out your picks on Massey Peabody? Honestly, not really. <laughs> like I said, you're numb, man. You're numb. Yeah. I you're mean, like a machine. I, if. I, I'm also not giving out picks where I'm being forced to pick a side, even if I don't like one. So, right. which is what ESPN wanted you to do because they needed you to have a pick. You have to be confident. You have to, you know, be decisive. Right? There's no room for uncertainty. Yeah. But all the picks that I'm giving out are things that that you know I, I also have skin in the game on. So if, yeah, I get it. I'll theoretically feel bad if they lose. Okay. I think that's enough on that. Let's uh, let's start up the machine. Let's do man versus machine, and then get into our super contest picks, and then Survivor, um, which I am no longer a part of, unfortunately. So Who did you uh, have last week? Oh, uh, I had Houston. It was it was kind of dumb that I kept that pick in even after even after I knew Savage was starting. Um, I, like someone I know that I really trust told me that his numbers said that it was only a two-point adjustment uh -huh. with Savage. So I said, oh, maybe I'll still take, I'll still take Houston. 
but you know, in retrospect, I I think it was probably bad just because Savage only had like one or two days to actually prepare because the injury to Deshaun happened so late in the week. I probably should have taken that into account. And like maybe this is like a post mortem narrative, um, but the idea of how people, how much people rallied around. Um, Deshaun on that team, like I have to imagine that like losing him just felt like crap to that team, and maybe playing a couple of days later was not necessarily um, their heads weren't necessarily in the right place to 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 play that game. But again, who knows? I mean, the bottom line is I'm out of Survivor, and probably nobody actually cares that I'm out of Survivor besides me. So and I'll I'll, t- I'll take credit for being the guy that that told you Savage wasn't a huge downgrade. Oh, that was you. Um, I didn't realize that was you. I'm uh, sorry. Uh, I wouldn't have said something on the podcast if I remembered that. I, I was right. on Houston too. Man versus machine. Let's get this puppy going. Okay. Okay. Seattle uh, against Arizona. We have Seattle is a five point six point favorite. The market's at five and a half. Do I even have to like? Actually, it's five and a half to six. I think this doesn't qualify. All right. Nothing. Um. I would like Minnesota. Arizona there, I think, by the way. Yeah. Um, well, I don't like either team. Okay. Uh, wa- uh, Washington Redskins hosting Minnesota. Redskins are a listed as a one-point underdog. Um, some places are pick-juiced. I make the Redskins a 0.7-point underdog. So can we – Can we? Uh, we'll skip that. Yeah, I feel like if, if, if it's like within a quarter of a point yeah. – Well, then let's move quickly on these. Okay. Chicago. Uh, five and a half point favorite hosting Green Bay. The machine makes Chicago only a three point three point favorite. So machine is on Green Bay. You love Hundley and you love Green Bay. Yeah, I like Green Bay there also. I, I hate quarterback injuries, man. You know. Yeah. So they're tough. Um, okay, Pittsburgh visiting Indianapolis. They're a ten point favorite. The machine makes them a twelve point favorite. So machine is on the Steelers. I'm going to be on Indy. Okay, taking the big dog. Shocker. Jacksonville. Yeah, shocker. Jacksonville Jaguars a three and a half point favorite hosting the Chargers. Machine makes them five point two. So machine is on the Jaguars. I like the Jags. I think they're like due for a bad game though. They alternate good and bad every week, it seems like. Almost every week. You lose your smart person card. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on them. Um if I if I had to make bets without without having my data, I'd probably be completely lost. So Jets are a two and a half point favorite visiting Tampa Bay with Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we make the Jets only a zero point two point favorite. So we're on Tampa Bay. I love Tampa there. I love. Him. By the way, who I love, who, I love Ryan Fitzpatrick? Love uh, him. You know, I actually have a friend whose name is Ryan Fitzpatrick too, and he has a beard just like him. But it's not, who would have thought that the Jets would have been not at a all like interesting? Like that no. seems like a common name for Irish people. Irrelevant facts. But who would have yeah. thought the Jets actually would be a road favorite this year? You would have, because you thought they were okay. Yeah, I just wanted you to pat me on the back a little bit, Jeff. You're in fucking Portugal. I can't reach you. Okay, move on. Okay, Tennessee, four and a half point favorite against Cincinnati. I make them a 3.8, so I'm on Cincinnati plus four and a half. Uh, yeah, I like that. I like Cincinnati. Okay. The Saints. It looks to be... Three juice, two and a half. What are we going to call that? 2.75. Asian yep. handicap it. Um, uh, against Buffalo, Machine has them as a four and a half point favorite, so Machine is on the Saints. I like, I like the Saints. We're in agreement. The Cleveland Browns are 12 and a half, looks like. Yep. 12 and a half point underdog against Detroit. 
I think they should only be 9.2. I like so, I like Cleveland also. Okay. Houston, 11.5-point dog visiting the Rams. I make them only 8.5, so I'm on Houston. Oh. I'm going to go with the Rams here. No, I like Houston. I can't take a 11.5-point favorite. Just can't do it. It's like won't my you know my something in me won't allow it. So there's never ever value on a big favorite. Is what I'm you're saying? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I can't do it. Okay, move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, moving on to the Dallas Cowboys as a three, well, two and a half to three point dog to Atlanta. I make that Atlanta minus two point one. So I guess I'll take Dallas. I don't know what we're grading it at. It looks mostly three. Yeah, I'll take Dallas there also. Okay. No disagreement. Um, the Giants, two-and-a-half-point favorite at San Francisco. I make them a four-point, four-point favorite, so I'm on the Giants. I like the Giants there. New England, minus seven-and-a-half against – actually, it looks like – yes, we'll call it seven-and-a-half. Uh, at Denver, I make it 6.3, so I'm on Denver plus seven-and-a-half. Uh, I like um, New England. Okay. And last of all, Carolina – Minus nine hosting Miami. I make it minus eight point eight. So actually there's there's nothing there. Okay. I like Miami there. I have nine and a half, actually. So so I think we can take Miami there. Okay. So actually it should be easy then for our super contest picks because we're under agreement. Like the only we only had two disagreements, Indian New England and man versus machine. Super contest one, three, and one last week. Um, we need a five and a week this week, Rufus. We need it. Well, we need to get back in this thing. We what we needed was uh, was Houston to actually cover the minus thirteen or whatever it was. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't change. We, didn't our change. Pick. we had a lot think, of discussion about it, but we decided not to change it. I think strategically was the right move, unless we were like at the very, very front and we were yeah. four and a half back. But we had an opportunity to gain a game on the field. Almost everyone. No, I, I I agree. I agree. And there was, you know, I. Probably just the picks we chose were, were the bad ones. Uh, let's quickly do this super contest pick. Um, I'll go first, and I will take uh, Washington Redskins. Ew. <laughs> I Redskins. Like it. nah, I mean, I like the Redskins. I don't know if I... Well, I took them because they're your team. Okay, you're next. Okay, uh, I sold you on... on on how good they were against Seattle, huh? Yeah. Um, I will take Cleveland. It's Cleveland true. plus 12 and a half. I like that. I will take Tampa Bay plus two and a half in tribute to uh, Rufus's friend, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Not the quarterback, but the random person. And I, I will take I will take New Orleans. Will I? Yeah, do it. I like what that. What do you think? New Orleans or the Giants? Uh, I say we just do both of them. I'm fine with and, both. And do, do we just leave out the savagery? The oh, Tom, Tom Foolery? The savagery. Uh, yeah, anytime uh, I can avoid betting on Tom Savage, I do it. Um, I mean, although, I'll be betting on him. I just won't be on the, him in the Super Contest. I mean, I, see, I, say, I say New Orleans for sure, and then I see, say that the Giants... Or Cincinnati, personally, but yeah, let's, let's do New Orleans and the Giants. Okay, I like the Giants better when that line was like minus was like even earlier this week. Well, it's because everybody thought that Garoppolo was going to play. Yeah, 
no chance. Dogcom. Era Polo. Okay. Uh, Survivor, sadness, I'm out. But we still probably got to give you some thoughts on this. Um, sneaky Do you think anybody sneak- cares about a Survivor segment, really? Sneaky one this I mean, week maybe. would be Chicago. Chicago over Green Bay. No future value for Chicago. Number five sort of in safety value. Um, obviously, there's some big other big other ones you could do. The Rams over Houston or Carolina over Miami. Um, neither of those have very much future value either. So yeah, let's just let's just be done with that. Um, so that's all we got this week. Um, again, always look forward to. We will we will get to more of these questions um, next week. I think some of them are great, and we'll try to weave them in. And then during the off season, we'll try to answer many more of them. So keep them coming on Twitter. Jeff, um, can we answer one of them at least right now? Sure. What's can that? We, what What is his Friday evening drink of choice? That oh, was yeah. the question. This is, this is, I, I don't know who his is, but... That's me, uh, and it's an allusion to a uh, little battle I was getting in with Chris Felica, or trying to get in. Chris wasn't engaging with me. Chris is one of the nicest human beings in the world. So the fact that I was trying to engage with him on Twitter in a negative way shows that I am that much of a jerk as people think I am. Um, I apologize to Chris. He said you were making a valid point. No need to apologize. Uh, This other guy kind of was trolling me and saying that I was drunk, um, and that's why I was doing it. Uh, I was not, but he asked what my Friday drink of choice is, and I love old fashions. Love a good old fashioned. Uh, Love bourbon. Love a good old fashioned. Can't argue with that. All right. With that, we're gone. Thank you, guys. I look forward to seeing you and hearing from you, and then we'll talk to you again next week.